Welcome to the Congregation of Yahweh. We're passionate about declaring the truths that the Bible contains. It's for everyone. We hope that you'll enjoy and be enriched by this message. It's interesting to me that Yahweh generally preaches your sermon before you have the chance. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Shalom, everybody. It's great to be here. Today, I'm not going to give a talk. I'm going to preach. Is that all right? So this is going to be a sermon. Is that okay? Good. So, today is the day of first fruits, isn't it? And on the day of the resurrection, Yeshua became what Paul describes in the book of Corinthians as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Firsts are quite special, aren't they? Remember your first car, those of you that can drive? I remember mine. A little jalopy. But it went, it got us from A to B. Remember your first home? Your first date? Your first child? You know, firsts are quite significant because you remember them. And firsts are significant to Yahweh as well. In Exodus chapter 4, it says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Yes. So as his firstborn, the Israelites were commanded to honor Yahweh by bringing first fruits to him. It says, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of Yahweh your God. So this is the first and perhaps the most obvious meaning of first fruits. It's giving back from the best of what we have as a thank offering and declaration of faith. That's what first fruits are. Yes. In 1 Corinthians 15 it says, but now Messiah is raised from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You've been here before, haven't you, you people? So by using this term, first fruits, to describe Yeshua, Paul is telling us that Yahweh gave his best for us. He didn't hold anything back. He gave his best. So Paul links first fruits with the resurrection. And by doing so implies that it would be of life-altering significance in the world's history. Do you think that's true? I do too. Have you ever thought about if Yeshua had died and not been resurrected? 
I wonder what that would have, because he would have still shed his blood and died, but not been resurrected. What would have been the outcome of that? But he is the first fruits of those who slept. He was the first to rise from the dead. So we have hope in a resurrection of the dead and eternal life for ourselves because Yeshua was the first fruit and was resurrected. So today is that day, the day of first fruits. The day of resurrection. And on the subject of bringing our best fruit to him, I would like to talk about fruit in season. Fruit in season. So, firstly, I want to talk about the secret of fruit bearing. The most famous scripture regarding fruit bearing is probably what Yeshua said in John 15. I am the vine. See what I mean about him preaching the sermon? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words, this is the important bit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Now Yeshua called himself a vine. Have you ever seen a vine? My sister and her husband have got a vine growing in their um, well, it's like a conservatory and it grows all over it and it bears fruit at certain times of the year. And the grapes are so sweet. And the juice that comes out of those grapes are, is really beautiful. And a vine is a very interesting plant because Yeshua called himself a vine because as the vine gives its branches sap, and productiveness and all the goodness of the vine goes into the branches, so Yeshua infuses into us his own divine strength and life. So he is the vine, we are the branches. And I've read this scripture so many times, but it, I saw it so clearly that Yeshua is pumping into us all the goodness that he has in his heart for us if we abide in him. It's always conditional, you know. <laughs> the, words, the word branches means a tender, flexible branch. And the word abide in this scripture actually means continue. So those who continue in Yeshua. You know, I'm always, I'm always quoting Isaac. 
You know, he says, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And it's important that we continue in the vine. It doesn't matter if you've been saved forever. I got saved when I was 11. But as far as I know, I'm doing my best to continue in the vine. Continue. In order to bear fruit, we have to continue in Yeshua. We can't be moving house and going somewhere else, trying this, trying that, trying the other. Well, you know, I've been abiding in the vine for some time now, so I think I'll just, you know, go over here and try this. No, we have to continue in Yeshua. We have to stay locked into him. If we want to bear fruit, we have to be locked into Yeshua and into his word. His word has to be a part of us so that when we're going through trials, we have a word, we have a scripture. He can talk to us, but he won't do that if we're not abiding in him. He wants to abide in us. Otherwise, we won't bear much fruit. We may bear a little fruit, but we won't bear much fruit, and we are called to bear much fruit. We have to be clean inside. Yeshua's not going to abide in me if I'm, if I'm dirty inside, if I'm stained. Have you ever seen a cup that's had tea in it for a couple of years? After a while, it gets stained, doesn't it? Because of the tannin in the tea. You know, if you continue to do something that you know Yahweh doesn't want you to do, it causes you to become stained on the inside. Yeshua can't live in a vessel that's dirty. This verse goes on to say that without him we can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Just nothing. We might as well pack up. And, and do something else. Coming to church isn't enough. Coming to our house church isn't enough. Being a house church leader isn't enough. If we're not abiding, then how can we feed others? <laughs> Another scripture for you. This one's a biggie. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Yeshua said this. If I'm not abiding in him, I will be cast out. He will cast you out. Somehow, he will cast you out. And I've seen that happen. People have been cast out. They think they're actually leaving. They think that they're making the choice. But actually, it's Yeshua that's casting them out because they're not abiding in him. They're dabbling in this and dabbling in that. So Yeshua, one day, will cast 
us out. You know, the law of sowing and reaping says that nobody gets away with anything at any time. So if we're dabbling in things that he doesn't want us to dabble in, eventually we will be cast out. And the end of that verse is the worst part. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. This is heavy stuff. Yeshua wasn't pulling his punches. What does wither actually mean? It means to make dry, dry up. Am I feeling dried up? Withered? Do you feel like you're withered inside? Can this actually happen to somebody who has loved and served Yahweh for many years? Oh yes, it can happen very easily. But Yeshua said that if I'm feeling dry and if I've become withered, it's because I'm not abiding in him. But the problem is, if I am withered, I'm in danger of being gathered up with other non-fruit-bearing people and being cast out into the fire. You know, I looked up that word fire because I thought it can't possibly mean hellfire. It can't possibly mean that. Yeshua can't be meaning that. And I looked it up, and guess what? It's the same word. There are many words for fire, but this one is the same word as the lake of fire in the book of Revelation. I want to abide, don't you? Don't you think it's important to abide? I don't want to be cast out. This reminded me of another scripture I found in, in 1 John chapter 2. It says, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. If what you heard from the beginning. Now, when John was talking yesterday, he said that there's many, many things that haven't changed. And the apostles' doctrine has not changed. And it will not change. Some things have changed, you know, we're moving into the new vineyard and we've got house churches and apostolic teams and all sorts of different things. But Yeshua does not change. And what he said in these scriptures doesn't change. What have you heard from the beginning? You know, the world is watering down and weakening standards all the time. Famous people are saying, I don't know if I'm a man or a woman, I'm non-binary. Men are marrying men. Women are marrying women. The standards in schools is dropping down. There are no standards anymore, so the world is changing. So we must not change. We can't be watering down the word of Yahweh. We need to think about what we heard from the beginning. The things that we heard from the beginning, like the Sabbath. Are we actually keeping Sabbath 
as we used to? Are we actually doing that? Am I actually doing that like I used to when, when I was almost afraid? When we started keeping Sabbath, there was such a spirit that came on this congregation that we were all almost afraid to set a foot wrong. Do I still feel that, that awe that Sabbath brings? Am I watering down the names? Do I sometimes use the name Jesus when I'm talking to people? Do you know, personally, I know this is probably a personal thing, but I cannot do it. I can't call him Jesus. I just can't. Because he took that name off my lips and replaced it with Yeshua. So, some things will never change. It's what we heard from the beginning and it needs to abide in us. It says, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Do people say to you, well, it's the 20th century, so you don't need to keep those commandments anymore. Well, the churches don't keep them, so why do you still keep them? It's the 21st century, for goodness sake. If what we heard from the beginning is not in our hearts, then we're in danger of not abiding. He said, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as that same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. There it is again. Are we still being anointed? Are we still getting the conviction from the Holy Spirit? Do we feel like we used to feel when the Holy Spirit dealt with us about something? Or are we watering it down? Lastly, it says, and now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence. You'll be able to stand straight, tall, with your shoulders back, and look him in the eyes, knowing that you've been abiding in him. <laughs> Not be ashamed before him at his coming. This word abide is the same word. It's from a Greek word, mina, which means continue. It's the same word all the way through. So the Apostle John is encouraging the church that they should continue in that that they heard from the beginning. They should continue in the anointing which they received from him and be taught in that anointing. If we continue in him, we will have confidence when he appears and not be ashamed. It is so important to abide in the vine. We must see that we can abide for years and fall at the last minute. Father, help us. Don't let that happen to us. Yahweh, help us to be aware that we need to be abiding in him and he in us. 
Right, I want to show you this. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words says this. That believers have an anointing from the Holy One indicates that this anointing renders them holy, separating them to Yahweh. The passage teaches that the gift of the Holy Spirit is the all-efficient means of enabling believers to possess a knowledge of the truth. In the Septuagint, which is the earliest Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, it's used of the oil for anointing the high priest. In Exodus, it says, thou shalt take of the oil of the anointing. It's spoken of as holy anointing oil in Exodus chapter 30. And in Daniel 20, chapter 9, sorry, verse 26, it stands for the anointed one or the Messiah, the noun standing by metonymy for the person himself. In other words, um, what that means is that the word means the person, all right? So, so what am I missing in order to abide in Messiah? Am I missing the anointing in my life? How do I know if I'm still being anointed by the Holy Spirit? You know, it's quite simple. If I'm abiding, I'm anointed. It's easy. If I'm abiding and Yeshua's abiding in me and his word's abiding in me, then I'm anointed. It's about continuing and being obedient. The Old Testament prophets, as you know, and monarchs were anointed with anointing oil. And this still happens today. And I don't know if you know this. We've just got a new king, haven't we? And on March the 3rd, this year, just a few weeks ago, the holy oil that will be used to anoint King Charles III was consecrated in Jerusalem at 10 a.m. local time. The oil was consecrated by the Patriarch of Jerusalem and the Anglican Archbishop in Jerusalem. The oil was created using olives from two groves on the Mount of Olives. Imagine that. And has been perfumed with essential oils, including sesame, rose, jasmine, cinnamon, and orange blossom. The holy oil is at the center of the most sacred part of the coronation. It happens before the investiture and crowning. So the Archbishop of Canterbury will pour the oil onto the coronation spoon and then anoint the sovereign on the hands, breast, and head. This tradition goes back to the Old Testament where the anointing of Solomon by Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet is described. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> now, from the time Queen Elizabeth II was crowned, she took that anointing very, very seriously. And she didn't stray from it, even a little bit, in my opinion, from her amazing sense of duty and loyalty to her people. She was anointed by Yahweh to do that job. Am I anointed by Yahweh to do this job? 
It's important. Without the anointing, we can't fulfill our calling in Messiah. So what's this got to do with fruit bearing? And what is the secret of fruit bearing? I need to abide, continue in Yeshua and what he has taught me. His words, therefore, he should abide in me at all times. And this will ensure that I am anointed for service. So let's have a look at the changing seasons. Now the earth revolves around the sun. We all know that, don't we? It goes around the sun and it takes a year to get back to where it started. So it goes around the sun all the time, never stops. Round and round it goes. It's been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. Keeps going. <laughs> but there's no God, you know. <laughs> We have seasons, now I didn't know this, we have seasons because the earth is tilted as it makes its yearly journey around the sun. You know the earth's on an axis? If it wasn't, there wouldn't be any seasons, apparently. <laughs> Sometimes the sun is in the direction that the earth is pointing, but not at other times. The varying amounts of sunlight around the earth during the year creates the seasons. So the tilt of the earth means it will lead towards the sun in summer or lean away from the sun in winter, six months later. In between these times, spring and autumn happen. So when it's leaning towards the sun, it's summer. When it's leaning away from the sun, it's winter. Seasons. Yahweh said that the seasons will always be. That's why. <laughs> so what's this got to do with me? Why am I talking about seasons? Because we have changing seasons in our lives. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." Have you ever looked at a tree planted by a river? It has strong and permanent deep roots and it takes a lot to remove a tree. I'm sure David Townsend, who is an expert in this field, will agree with me, at least I hope he will. And if he doesn't agree with me, I don't want him to tell me now. <laughs> so it takes a lot to remove a tree. I remember when we lived in Nottingham, we had a big tree in the, in the garden and we wanted to get rid of it. So Isaac gets the chainsaw. No, that's not how he lost his finger. <laughs> but he got the chainsaw and, and he wasn't very good with the chainsaw. <laughs> and kind of, you know, did this and then did this and then did this. But we got rid of the tree, the most of it, but there was still a big stump there. So it didn't really work. 
Trees are pretty permanent, aren't they? Most of the time. Can you remember in 21-22, Storm Arwen? Can you remember the storm? This is what happened to the storm. Right, the top one, it was supposed to come on first, and then I was supposed to click it again, and the bottom one was supposed to come on, but never mind. The top one's got lots and lots of small trees that were just flattened by Storm Arwen, but also... That bottom tree was felled by the storm. Look how thick that is and how big it is. Even big, strong trees were ripped up and thrown about like matchsticks during that storm. Remember that song we used to sing? Let's trust Yahweh and not be afraid. What he did long ago, he'll do today. Though the storms of life around are raging, he'll still the storm and we'll go through in perfect peace. Is this true of my life? Can I trust him with my life? completely can I trust him when the storms come and I'm moving in the wind and the rain and the hail and the snow and the storm am I still standing firm with permanent and deep roots am I a tree planted by the rivers of water bringing forth fruit in its season are my leaves green and glossy and beautiful? Or are they withered and ready for the fire? Are my roots deep and secure? You know, fruit trees, when they bear fruit, picking times are at different times of the year, dependent on the fruit. But when fruit trees are first planted, if they're looked after properly, they'll start producing good fruit about four years later. It's quite a long time, isn't it? So sometimes, you know, people might just be growing in a growing time. You might not see much happening, but things are happening inside some people. Fruit trees can bear fruit between 10 and thousands of years, <laughs> if they're looked after. But they will only bear fruit in season. The word planted should actually read transplanted. You know, I have been brought out of the world, ripped out of the world, and transplanted into the kingdom of Yahweh. How about you? Transplanted. Why? Was that for me? Yes, it was. It was, to, it was for me. But it was also so that I can start bearing fruit, much fruit, the word season in Psalm 1 means at the proper, suitable time. Why are seasons important? You know, I look at my own life, and since I was saved when I was 11, I've been through many, many seasons. When I was 16, 
I had a prophecy from Elder Peter Warsop that I was called to set the people singing and dancing. And at that time, I thought that that would be my life's work and that I wouldn't do anything else. But Yahweh's taken me through many, many seasons. I began writing songs when I was about 14. I learned to play lots of instruments. I played the organ and led worship for years. I started learning music theory when I was about 20. Started writing harmony for Covenant College singers. I wrote um, sheet music for singers and musicians, including the string quartet, Elliot, and other instruments. But I've been through lots of other kind of seasons as well. I worked in Bible school, I've worked with young people, I've learned to preach, I went to university to learn to be a teacher, I led Bible study groups, I've done counselling and mentoring and working in nurture groups with people of all backgrounds imaginable. And I could go on. Most of us have a similar story. We can look back over our lives and see that Yahweh has brought us through seasons of service. Let me just say this. If you can't look back over your life at all the different seasons of service, that is not Yahweh's fault. It is not the leadership's fault. It is my fault. If I can't look back over my life, and see what I've been doing for Yahweh over the last 50 years. Do you know that our seasons of service, it is our responsibility to get into these seasons of service. It is my responsibility to get down before Yahweh and ask him, what should I be doing? What should I be doing? Because maybe you shouldn't be doing what you are doing. Maybe. Am I still setting the people singing and dancing? Not so much. It's not my primary focus anymore. I'm a completely different person. You know, I started going to Young Explorers in Blythe. I felt like a fish out of water. I did. I could do it. I can still do it. But I knew that I shouldn't be there because it's not my season. So I stopped going. And sometimes, even if there's a need that needs to be filled, then maybe it's not you that should be filling that need. Maybe somebody else should be coming up to fill that need. And if there's nobody to fill that need, maybe we should stop doing that thing. Just because I've done it for the last 50 years doesn't mean that Yahweh wants us to keep doing it. It's it's so important to find what Yahweh wants you to do. It's so important. We get one life and it goes past so quickly. It doesn't seem very long. Honestly, I mean this with all my heart, since I was that size. I was 14 on that picture. It doesn't seem long. I can still remember my thoughts, my feelings. 
we get one life. We have to find our ordained works. It's important because Yeshua will expect you to be able to give an account for the ordained works that you should have done. It's important for me to examine myself. Am I working in the right season? Am I hanging on to the past, hoping I can rekindle something from the past that was successful in my life? No, that's not what Yahweh wants. He wants you to look forward, not back. You know, I used to, I used to set the people singing and dancing all the time. I used to sing and play and people used to really get into it. But that is not my season. I need to be doing what Yahweh wants me to do now. It's important, so, so important. This brings me to my last point. So lastly, I want to talk about fruit in old age. You know... I'm 70 next year. And I am busier now than I have ever been in my life since I got saved. I am busier now and I'm nearly 70. And I'm happy to be busy. This feast has been about the new vineyard the 18 to 45 vision. And our part in it, does this mean if I'm not in that age bracket, I've got nothing to contribute? Am I past it? Should I hang up my hat, sit and knit with a cat on my lap? <laughs> Should I leave it to the younger ones and sit and let them serve me? <laughs> Is that what I should do? Am I called to serve? At 69, nearly? Am I? Of course. Are you called to serve? Even if you're 85? 86? 87? Are you still called to serve? 91, Brother Derek? Of course you're still called to serve. And you know what? I heard somebody say this morning, I think, that some, some people think that, that we're just buttonholing. You know, the new vineyard is, is in a buttonhole, 18 to 45, and nobody else matters. So we can't, we can't, you know, people think, so if you're over 45, then we're, we're not going to reach out to over 45s because it's not part of the new vineyard. But what about the other end? So somebody that's 17, are we going to let them go to hell? Because it's the 18 to 45 vision. Of course not. We need to reach out to anybody that Yahweh brings into our circle, into our periphery. We need to reach out to whoever Yahweh is calling. We are not cancelling out People under 18 or over 45. And that includes you. It includes the under 18s and it includes the over 45s. There is a work for you to do. 
Oh, let me go back. This scripture says, this is very much like the last one we read, but there's a bit extra. This is Jeremiah. Blessed is the man who trusts in Yahweh and whose hope is Yahweh, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious. Its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. <laughs> I love this. I think this is, honestly, I just think this is ace. <laughs> this scripture from Jeremiah, what a prophet. I love prophets. <laughs> so this verse gives me the sense of a tree that's been around a bit, right? Somebody like Shine, right? She's standing by the water's edge, strong, firm, deep roots, loads of experience. How long have you been saved, Shine? How many years? 60 years. 60 years. It gives me the sense of a tree that spreads out its roots by the river. It's not afraid of heat. Bring it on. Its leaf will still be green. It's not anxious or even mildly concerned in drought. It will still bear fruit. Because it's a tree and that's what trees do. Nothing can stop me, it's this tree's saying, from bearing fruit and showing off my beautiful green glossy leaves and my beautiful fruit that's weighing me down. I am mature. I have experience. I have wisdom of years. And you know what? You have. You are that person. I'm looking at the seniors. You are that person. You have wisdom of years that I need. I'm getting there, but I'm not quite there yet. But you people, um, Brother Alfred came in the other day and I said, Brother Alfred, you look fantastic. He's got much less wrinkles than me. And he's 85. What experience. What experience these people have. They sit in our congregation. They don't do much. But you know what? We need to notice them. We need to see them with our eyes because they have something that we need. They have fruit. They have much fruit. Because they've been abiding in Yeshua for dozens of years. Dozens of years. You are valuable. You are valuable. Sister Deborah, you're valuable. Sister Olga, you're valuable. You are valuable. You are needed. We can't do without you. 
You are needed. We mustn't hanker after the old seasons of the church or old seasons in our own lives where, like me, I was setting the people singing and dancing or, or if you used to preach up a storm or work with children or work with young people or anything that you were successful at. The season has changed. It's changed. And also, let's stop judging our brothers and sisters. Let's stop judging our leaders. Let's stop looking at them and judging them. They are doing their best to grow us. Saying they should be doing this or they should be doing that or the other. We are doing our best in this congregation. We need to listen to one another. We need to support one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to hold each other tight. We need to love one another. Not judge one another. Not gossip. You know, we have to be realistic. What season am I in? And I'm not talking about the season of life. I'm not talking about this. Spring being birth, summer being adolescence to adulthood, autumn being getting older, winter having declining years. I'm not talking about those seasons. I'm talking about the seasons of the kingdom which really don't match the seasons of life. How can I support the new vineyard? What is Yahweh expecting me to do? And I'm speaking to every person in this room, whether you're 10 or 85, you have something to do in the new vineyard. The first thing I need to do is let go of the past. Let go of the, the aggro and the thing, things that people have said or done or upset you about. Let it go. Concentrate on what's to come. This church is going to grow. Our house churches are going to be the vehicle by which we can reach our communities and get people into the kingdom of Yahweh. Don't get left behind. Don't get cast out because you're not abiding. Be a part of it. Look at this tree. It's an olive tree. It's a picture I took in, in Zakynthos in 2011. It's over 2,000 years old and it's still bearing fruit. It's the oldest tree on the Greek islands. 2,000 years old and that was in 2011. So I don't know if it's still there. I'm sure it is. This scripture says... Those who are planted in the house of Yahweh shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. That word uh, fresh means fat. It means juicy. It means full of sap. It means flourishing. Does this sound like somebody that's finished and hung up the hat? No. I'm sorry, but I retired from my job 
when I was 65, and I'm busier now than I was when I was working. Because as far as I know, there's no retirement, you know. People say, oh, I've done my bit. I've done my bit. <laughs> I've done this, and I've done that, <laughs> and I've done the other. So now it's my turn. I'm going to sit and let people look after me. Do you know, there's a, there's a, that's okay. As long as you're bearing fruit. <laughs> fruit in old age, we should all be fresh, fat, flourishing, growing, developing, bearing fruit. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, Yahweh will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a well-watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Ezekiel 47 says, along the banks of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. You know, when I was reading this, I kind of had a little picture of the older people in our church standing like trees, like these are standing next to each other. I had this little picture of them standing, shoulder to shoulder, supporting, supporting the new vineyard, supporting these younger ones who are coming up behind us. Because you have strength. Yahweh can strengthen your bones. He can keep you going. (laughs) As long as I am drinking the water that flows from the sanctuary, I will keep going. We need to keep drinking that water. The last sentence, their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. What is the food and medicine for? Is it for them? No. It's not for them. It's for others to help them bear fruit. That's what it's for. Take that experience that you have. Take those stories that you have, those anecdotes, those learned lessons, those green leaves and ripe fruit and teach it to the younger ones. Do you know when I was younger, there was nothing I loved better than to sit at the feet of Elder Peter Warsop and listen to him telling stories. It built up my faith and it's contributed very, very much to the person I am today. Because his water flowed, his fruit that he was bearing was food to me. I was starving for that food. And he fed me with that food. And the leaves are for the medicine. If you're hurting, if you're struggling, if you need healing, 
speak to some of these people. You don't have to speak to the leaders. Speak to some of these. These people can pray. These people have so much to offer us. And if you're hurting, if you're hurting physically or spiritually or emotionally, or you can sit at their feet and they will help you. They will be supporting the new vineyard. We should rejoice that others are succeeding. Yesterday, I was rejoicing when I saw what was happening. All these people coming out to the front and being separated to the ministry. What a joy that was. <sighs> Lastly, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for Yahweh loves a cheerful giver. If I'm grudging, sparingly sowing my seeds like the top picture, one at a time every six months, to those around me, throw them a bone. <laughs> if when you're tired and all you want to do is sit down and watch the telly and somebody rings you up <laughs> and you look at your phone and you see who it is and you think, oh my goodness, <laughs> these people, I'm going to be on the phone for an hour. Do I pretend I'm not in? <laughs> Do I pretend my phone's switched off? Do I just turn it over and pretend I haven't heard it? <laughs> you all know, don't you? <laughs> or am I like the bottom picture? Really, hands full of seeds. So when that person rings, I can liberally sow seeds into their life. <laughs> you know, at the end of a long meeting, when all you want to do is go home for a cup of coffee <laughs> and everybody wants to talk to you. This is discipleship, you know. <laughs> it's growing. Growing isn't easy. Bear fruit don't come naturally. You have to work at it. I've been watching Abigail this week. We're staying with Barnabas and Abigail, which is fab, by the way. I can recommend them. No. <laughs> yeah, we have a great time at Barnabas and Abigail's, as you can imagine. But Abigail keeps disappearing up the garden and into the greenhouse and looking at things that are growing and coming back and telling us what's happening. And then, you know, a few hours later, she'll disappear again and go up and have a look. And, Growing things takes effort. It is not easy having a garden full of plants or having a hedge that needs cutting or having a big lawn that needs mowing. It's not easy. It takes effort. And fruit bearing, I hate to say, takes effort. It does. It takes effort. Let's be a cheerful giver. Let's not be grudging. 
Let's not be constantly looking back to different seasons, desperately holding on to the things I want to do, but Yahweh is not blessing. You know, if you do that, you won't reap anything worthwhile except bitterness and regret. And they are two things that will kill you. They will take from you anything good that you have in your heart If you are bitter and regretful, if you are full of bitterness, it will rob you of any goodness that Yahweh has given you or wants to give you. Let's be a cheerful giver, giving as we purpose in our hearts, not grudgingly. When we consider the new vineyard and the 1845 vision, we need to be in there with, with our hose, like Alcott said on the first day, our spades, our trowels, and our pruning hooks. I found these pictures. Look at these ladies. They're not young. Look at this lady. We've got no excuse, you know. We can't sit and do nothing. We need to be bearing fruit, all of us. We need to help the vineyard to be fruitful. And in doing that, that will cause more fruit to grow on your branches. In conclusion, Mark chapter 11. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it wasn't the season for figs. In response, Yeshua said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Yeshua went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. This passage doesn't just remind us that we must produce fruit, even if it's just small early figs. It's also about the threat of and temptation towards false pretenses of fruit, like this plastic fruit. It looks delicious at first glance, but it's a sham. It's just a good show. Like when Yeshua went from the fig tree into the the temple and he saw all this going on, they all probably thought that was a great thing to do. The temple was putting on a good show and that made it worse. It's one thing to lack fruit out of season. It's another thing to lack it while pretending to have it. (laughs) So let's be warned. Our personal lives can look like they're in leaf. Our leaves may look like those of a winner, a wonderful preacher, a fantastic worship leader. We may look like we've got a perfect family, an A-team believer with an overstuffed life full of activity. But our root might be withered. 
there may be no fruit of holiness and no real intimate relationship with Yahweh. What's worse, our leaves may even fool us because we can say to ourselves, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing the other. But am I doing things in or out of season? Am I bearing fruit? What will Yahweh find on close inspection? Will he find only leaves or will he find figs too? We need to be aware that we can produce only plastic fruit in a fruit bowl, which looks delicious, but on closer inspection has nothing to offer. We can say all the right things, we can wear the right clothes, we can, our attendance can be perfect, we can say all the right things, look all the right things, but it's what's inside. Am I bearing fruit? Today is first fruits. Am I producing fruit in season? Or am I still looking backwards? Am I willing to bear fruit for others? And if not, what am I going to do about it? Yahweh bless you. Thank you for spending some time with us. We hope that you've been encouraged and inspired. We pray that what you've heard will transform your life.